Amen. Well, before I forget, because typically I do, uh, many of you know that every time we receive the Lord's Supper, we also take a benevolence offering. And so there are baskets at the exits to my left and right and also out in the foyer. And so if you feel led to leave something so that we can help those who are less fortunate, both inside our church uh, and outside, uh, you can do that on your way out today. And and then uh, this past Tuesday, we had a wonderful uh, day, uh, 12 hours actually here in our sanctuary, uh, a day of prayer. And and it was a wonderful moment. Uh, Many, many people came, uh, had wonderful experience. Uh, Every person just about that walked out said, you know, I, I thought 30 minutes was going to be tough, but it, it was unbelievable. It, it went by so fast, and we were able to pray for some unique things. And so uh, if you missed it, God still loves you. Uh, but the next time we offer it, be a part of that, and you'll be blessed as well. Uh, you'll be encouraged. I, I love you too. I just It's a joke. Come on. Everybody be happy. Um, but, but it really was a great day for us to, to pray uh, for our families, to strengthen our families, uh, for repentance, uh, for unity in the church and in the world of Christianity today, uh, to pray for our community. Uh, and, and it was a wonderful time for us to do that. And I, I want to thank primarily, uh, if it weren't for Matt and Hunter, uh, they kind of did a lot of the heavy lifting to make it all happen. And so I appreciate them leading the way. All of our staff got to participate in, in leading some time. And it was just a sweet, sweet opportunity for our church to come together and pray. And it was a wonderful morning. Well, this wonderful day. So this morning, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 18. Uh, last week, uh, we were in 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath. Big story. We're going to recap a little bit of that here in a moment. But as you turn to 1 Samuel 18, uh, have you ever done something great and and then someone does something even better uh, right after that? And you're like, "Eh." or or maybe not better, just more noteworthy. Uh, For for example, uh, some of you are around when Princess Diana died a number of years ago and she got all the headlines. But did you also know that same time period, uh, Mother Teresa died? And her death was overshadowed tremendously by Princess Diana. Not that one is better than the other, but but all the attention got put on Princess Diana. Uh, If you were around uh, in 1994 and you're a Houstonian, and as a Houstonian you support the Houston Rockets, uh, you might remember that year they were in the NBA Finals, but one of the games got interrupted so that the national news could follow A white Bronco down a California highway for miles. Who knows? Why in the world would we ever do that? Well, because O.J. Simpson was in that white Bronco. uh, And and so they interrupted uh, the NBA Finals to follow a white Bronco down the highway. Uh, Many of you, if you're from southeast Texas, uh, and maybe your parents or grandparents, or maybe you're here today online or in person, and you remember the Texas City uh, disaster, uh, that got overshadowed actually on the national news because it was also the day that Jackie Robinson made his Major League debut. He broke the color barrier uh, in Major League Baseball, and so his achievement overshadowed uh, that disaster on the national news. And then for all you teenagers, I know many of you have had to read A Brave New World or you will have to. But Aldous Huxley, who was the author of that, and C.S. Lewis, uh, the great uh, author, Christian thinker, probably one of the greatest Christian minds of all time, uh, 
both died around the same time period. You know, C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, for everyone who likes movies only. Um, but the two of them died on the same day as JFK. And JFK, of course, would have gotten overshadowed because he was the president of the United States. But it's amazing how many things get overshadowed. And maybe in your own life, you've done some things and you thought a great accomplishment, but it got, it's gotten overshadowed. Well, how you respond to being overshadowed matters. And today we're going to read a, a passage of scripture where someone, the king, gets overshadowed and he doesn't handle it too well. So maybe he could teach us a few things of what not to do. So if you've got your Bible open, 1 Samuel 18, verse 6, uh, we're going to read just a portion of this chapter uh, today. It says in verse 6, As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, so that's the whole army is coming back. After David defeats Goliath, the whole army is coming back home. And so the women came out from all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. I'm not sure that would make it on the top 40 today, but... Back in the ancient world, that was a big song. As a result of this wonderful song, Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? What an insightful question. And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but it had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. So just to recap David kills Goliath. Let me rephrase that. God kills the Goliath and he uses David to do it. They beat the Philistines. David chops his head off. They go and defeat the armies. They're headed back to Israel, uh, back to uh, Jerusalem, and they're going back. All the women are singing. They got their tambourines. Uh, they've got their musical instruments. They're singing these great things. And Saul is mad, mad, because David is being celebrated in a greater way than Saul is. Tens of thousands and not just thousands. Don't they know who I am? I'm the king. Why aren't they celebrating me in a greater way? I'm the one that said David could go out and fight that giant. Why aren't they celebrating me? I know you have never said that. Why aren't they celebrating me? 
Hmm, that's quiet because that's true, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody chuckled there. And so what, is David, what does Saul decide to do? He decides to keep his eye on David. Have you ever done that? You kept your eye on somebody? Like, I know where that guy is. I'm watching him everywhere he goes. She is not going to get out of my sight because I know what she's up to. That's what David, Saul's doing. He's keeping his eye on David and an evil eye, I might add, because he's mad, he's angry, he's fearful, he's jealous. The struggle here in this moment is not that Saul's keeping his eye on David or that these women are with their tambourines singing these songs. It's that Saul doesn't have the maturity to celebrate someone else's victory. He doesn't have the maturity to celebrate victory. It wasn't just David's victory. It was all of Israel's victory. And who's the king over all of Israel? Saul. So let's celebrate that our nation is victorious and God used David, this teenager, to make it happen. He doesn't have the maturity to celebrate. He's miserable in victory. That's a terrible place to be. Miserable in victory. Miserable. Angry. Frustrated. And that misery follows Saul all throughout his days. And misery will follow you if you can't celebrate with others. It will follow you like a ball and chain. It, you will drag that thing. You try to get in the car. It'll slam in the door. It'll trip you. You'll try to hide it under your skirt or your pants, but people will see it. Because it's hard to hide misery. Particularly when everyone else is celebrating. Everyone, everyone else is celebrating but the king. So don't be a person of misery. When others around you experience victory, rejoice with them. I think that's biblical. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Let's be people of rejoicing when others experience victory because misery will follow you. And everyone will see it. And because of Saul's continued disobedience that started way back a number of chapters earlier that we talked about when he disobeyed the Lord, because of his continued disobedience, the Lord is tormenting him. And even though David's playing his liar, that's not helping. And so Saul says, I'll figure this out. Who just walks around with a spear in their hand, number one? But he did. And so I'll just pin David to the wall. Have you ever... I think I'm just going to scare him. You ever had that thought with somebody, I'm just going to scare him, and so you do something that's punishment, or you throw something at them, and it accidentally turns out to be a lot worse than you ever hoped it would be? That, that's this moment here. I'm just going to scare him. Well, no, Saul's trying to kill David, not once, but twice. And so here Saul is with his spear, tries to hit David. David evades him. But why did he do that? Why did he try to spear David? Was it because David was such a terrible player of the liar? No, he was awesome at it. 
Well, was it because he was this great warrior and he, he was so powerful and he killed Goliath and now all the ladies in the tambourines are singing to him? Like that's kind of a weird way to get mad because women with tambourines are singing to you. No. The reason why Saul is angry, why he's frustrated, why he's miserable is a line that's repeated throughout the text. And if you're a person who underlines things in the Bible, I would encourage you to underline this, that the Lord was with David. It's repeated time and time and time again in this passage, particularly in chapter 18. But the reason why Saul was frustrated and upset is because the Lord was with David. He had a wonderful relationship with the Lord that Saul did not have because of his disobedience. And so as a result, he was afraid. He was jealous. He was mad at David. And so if you've never experienced it, which I'm sure most of us have, fear and jealousy will poison your relationships. It'll also make you do crazy things, like throw a spear at somebody. Fear and jealousy will poison your relationships. It will lead you down a dangerous path. All throughout the scripture, jealousy and murder are linked. All throughout the scripture. When someone is jealous, their desire is to murder. Jealousy leads to murder. You think, well, I would never murder anybody. No, but if you have hatred in your heart, what does God say? You've done that. That's what fear and jealousy do. They poison our relationships and they make us do wild, crazy things that are against God's purposes. And so that's Saul. That's who Saul is. He's a jealous, angry person. But David, on the other hand, is very different the Lord is with him, and, and he abides in the Lord. And, and everybody sees it. Saul sees it. All of the people see it. Everywhere he goes, they see it. The Lord is with him. He's living by faith. And let me remind you, church family, that people know when the favor of the Lord is upon you. People know when you're close to Jesus. They know when you have a, a wonderful relationship. With, they know when you're in tune with God's plan. People see it. They, they, they know it because they're going to ask you about it. They can see it in your countenance. They, they can hear it by the things that you say. And they can hear it by the things you don't say. When you are connected to the Lord, other people notice, and Saul noticed that it made him angry. But the rest of Israel saw it, and he could go and come as he pleased with them, and he had great favor, not just with the Lord, but with the people. And so Saul, in his anger, tried to minimize David's influence. And so he sent him out to lead a thousand men, and that backfired because everything that David did was successful. Everything that David did, the people honored and esteemed. Why? Not because of David's greatness. No, but because the Lord was with David. Everyone loved David except Saul. Saul's own son, Jonathan, when they come back from the battle of Philistines, his heart is connected to David's heart. It, they're like brothers. They're such close friends. They're like brothers. Saul's own daughters want to marry David. 
The oldest daughter tried to happen. That's later in the next passage, verse 18, if you want to read that. And Saul nixes that. And then finally, the younger daughter, Michael, he allows David to marry her after several strange requirements. And if you want to read more about the Bible not being PG, read the end of uh, the last half of chapter 18, and you'll see what it took. Fighting lions and bears was nothing compared to what David had to do to win the hand of Michael, his wife. But everyone loved David. Why? Not because he was good-looking, the great guy. No, because the presence of the Lord was with him. People are drawn to people of faith. And so if you want people to be drawn to you, be a person of faith, connected closely to the Lord. Because verses 28 through 30 kind of give us the rest of the story. Verse 28, but when Saul saw and knew the Lord was with David, there it is again, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines came out to battle. And as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was highly esteemed. Do you want a name that's highly esteemed? You don't have to win battles against the Philistines. You don't have to have a great spouse. No, you you have to be connected to the Lord. You have to have a heart after the Lord. You have to have the Lord's presence with you. That's how you have a name that is highly esteemed, which is rarely esteemed in our culture. Being highly esteemed doesn't mean highly esteemed in the public arena. It means highly esteemed among the people of faith, among the Lord himself. The greatest compliment that anyone could give you is this. I see God at work in your life. I see the presence of, Lord, of the Lord in you. That's the greatest compliment you could ever receive. And when you see it in someone, you need to tell them. I see God doing great work in you. And then rather than being frustrated or discouraged because perhaps your relationship with the Lord isn't as close as theirs, no, that you should desire to draw close to Jesus as, a, as their testimony demonstrates to you. Let, let their life be a testimony to you so that you would draw close to Jesus because if you draw close to Jesus, what's he going to do? He's going to draw close to you. And then someone will say, I see God at work in your life. That's the testimony that we need. But I'm afraid far too often we live like Saul's. We get angry and frustrated so easily. We get jealous of other people and and their success on social media because that's reality. No, when when our goal should be I want to be highly esteemed before the Lord. I want relationships that are honorable and true. I want to celebrate the victories of my friends. I want to pray for my enemies. 
I have no idea why David stuck with this family. Are you kidding me? The dad tried to kill him twice, and he wants to marry the daughter. Like, no way. I'm out. But David knew that God had him exactly where he needed to be. The presence of the Lord was with him. When the presence of the Lord is with you, God makes a way. Gives you opportunity to rejoice with others. And gives you favor before men and women. And So my prayer for us today is that we be people who draw close to Jesus because he's drawing close to us. That we would celebrate his goodness to us. Will you pray with me?